Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. The media and entertainment industry prides itself on its mastery of classical storytelling's three acts. Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. The setup, the conflict, and the resolution. Or perhaps put another way, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets a girl back again. It's safe to declare the first act of the streaming video wars are over. Barring a surprise late entrant, every major media and technology company that wants to be in the streaming game has planted a flag. Think about it. There's Netflix, there's Disney+, Plus, there's Amazon Prime, there's Apple TV, uh, HBO Max, and even uh, America-specific um, streaming services like Peacock and Paramount. And other new streaming services are spreading around the globe as well. Act 1 was the land, land grab phase. Analysts say we're in the middle of Act 2. Last month, the central conflict of the streaming wars came into focus, while the industry was thrust into turmoil after Netflix disclosed its first quarterly drop in subscribers in more than a decade and warned subscriber losses would continue in the near term. Which begs the question, who will survive? And this streaming war itself, one has to wonder how long it can continue. I know I look at my my bill when it comes to streaming services. I think I spend too much. And then on top of that, cable. And so one of the reasons we wanted to look at this uh, segment uh, was that, look, how much more can Canadians keep paying for all these streaming services? Well, joining me now is Rick Forchuk, author of uh, the movie blog, Rick's Picks. Hi, Rick. Hello, Jazz. Good to hear your voice, my friend. Good to hear yours. Yes. So walk me through, uh, first of all, the, 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 the news itself from Netflix when they had their first quarterly drop in subscribers. Were you surprised? Uh, no, I wasn't surprised. And I can't say that I foretold it either. I just wasn't surprised. Um, I, I like some of what came out of that. Uh, one of the things that uh, hit the fan uh, is that Netflix said, you know what, we have to do something about these roughly 2 million people that are sharing their passwords. And that's a real issue because that's taking revenue out of the pockets of suppliers. And I talk with people in my world all the time who say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm using so-and-so's password for Crave TV. I'm using a password for Netflix. I'm using a password of my friends for Paramount+. Plus." Um, that's theft. There's no two ways about it. It's theft. So I'm glad that that's kind of out on the table to be dealt with. Uh, all of the streaming services, though, have uh, not done particularly well this quarter. Uh, you mentioned that Netflix uh, reported its first loss in subscribers in more than a decade. That's a real challenge. And um, what's going to happen, uh, if they've already announced this, they're going to curtail their extravagant levels of content spending, and they plan to introduce an ad-supported tier. Uh, that's also true of Disney. You know, Disney's uh, subscriber base has gone up. But the value of Disney stock has gone down. So Disney subscribers have gone up by about $8 million in the last quarter. Uh, the value of Disney stock has gone down by about 44%. So on the one hand, wow, we've got more people. On the other hand, hey, we're making less money. So Disney also is introducing an advertising-supported tier. And I don't like that. I don't think I would subscribe to one. I know it will be less money. So to your point, Jazz, when you say, well, how much more can the consumer handle – 
of having money taken out of their pocket for streaming services, this is a way to reduce the amount that you're spending and still get content, although you'll have to fight it out with everybody else for the ad space. Um, Some interesting numbers out of the States. Um, Mm -hmm. 93% of U.S. homes, and we don't have numbers for Canada, but 93% of American homes are streaming-enabled. And most people in the U.S., most, get most of their television content via streaming, not via cable. So the real story is, who's not going to make it out of this? Maybe the cable companies. Uh, you know, the long game here may be that uh, cable is going to go the way of all bad things because uh, the challenge with cable is that uh, it just is stuck to your home. And we see that um, with a great resurgence, particularly among younger view- users, uh, younger users use their telephones and their mobile apps, their mobile devices. That's how they get their television. That's how they get most of what they see. And as that cohort continues to grow and replaces the older cohort, cohort mm-hmm. uh, I think we're going to see cable the real victim here, not streaming. Now, the last thing I'll say before I'll turn this back to you is that um, I'm a big proponent of listening to what the big money guys do. Warren Buffett recently bought $2.6 billion uh, for Paramount and Global's uh, and Paramount Plus stock. So that's a huge amount of money to buy for streaming service. Um, I think that uh, Warren Buffett is a pretty smart guy, and I think that he buying into streaming in that fashion is a real strong indicator that that's a good direction to go, Jazz. Yeah, you made some very good points there. Um, you know, like a lot of Canadians, I'm just going through with with what I pay. I've got still got cable. I love my sports channels. Um, I've got Amazon Prime. I've got Netflix. Uh, I've got Disney. I have another streaming service out of India as well. Uh, and I look at my bill at the end of the month, and I, you know, I try to find time to to, to watch good content, but I always don't have the time. And I look at my bill at the end of the month, like, what am I doing here? It's just the amount I'm spending. How much of this is, do you think also, not just, um, you know, a lot of us were watching a lot of content because we were at home during COVID, there is a bit of a fatigue there, isn't there, in regards to these monthly subscriptions that we have? Yeah, well, there's two things. You're right. Uh, one is there is some fatigue. Uh, we look at the money we're spending, but there's also that famous acronym FOMO, fear of missing out. If I mm-hmm. don't subscribe to Paramount Plus, now available in Canada, what will I not be getting? Oh, I won't be getting this show or that show that I really wanted to have. And, you know, Discovery Plus the same. Uh, they, being the streaming services that have cable networks are really doing some, uh, I won't say it's dirty, playing dirty pool, but it's not very nice. For example, uh, Discovery Channel started a program called Undercover Billionaire. Very, Mm -hmm. very interesting show about three people in the U.S. who went to three different cities where they didn't know anybody. All three of them were billionaires, but they had to go there with no money in their pockets and start from scratch and prove that they could become a millionaire, have a business worth a million dollars within 30 days. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Then uh, the Christmas break came along, and the show never came back. And the reason it didn't come back was that Discovery moved it to their new streaming channel, which at that time was not available in Canada. And as a result, we never did get to see how this wound up, unless you waited a year, as I did, and then subscribed to the new channel, and then went back and streamed the last of the episodes. That kind of thing is happening a lot. And it's a war out there. Uh, it's a war for the... Um, the hearts and minds of viewers like us, we're afraid that we'll miss out on something that we should see, want to see, had better be seeing. And um, it's, uh, 
at some point, yes, at some point, people are going to say, I'm not sure I can afford this. Uh, Jazz, I just heard an ad on satellite radio recently uh, mm-hmm. that talked about an app that is now available for download, and it's an app that you buy. And this app takes all of your streaming services and all of the costs associated with them, puts them in one place, so you can look at it and say, am I really watching this one? Am I really using that one? And you can use it to control this. Now, that app's only available in the U.S. at this point, to my knowledge. Uh, but uh, that's certainly the wave of the future, and that is how to control what we spend. Not like you. I've still got my full slot of cable. I like all my sports stuff. I don't want to miss out on anything. And I subscribe to every streaming service that's around, just about every one. And wow. um, I'm, I'm not sorry for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I, I'm wondering, like, I sometimes go onto these streaming services. Let's just pick Netflix. And I'm, you know, I, I know there's old movies that I can watch that I've liked in the past, but sometimes there's not a lot there in regards to new contemporary hits. I know they have certain things, certain shows that have done very well, uh, but I still think Netflix specifically hasn't nailed down how to create a hit. They've had some Squid Games being one as an obvious one, uh, and they do buy some content. I'm not saying that they haven't had hits, but compare that to, let's say, an HBO Max where you can watch, uh, let's say, a Tony Soprano spinoff or, uh, you know, they've created Game of Thrones, these really good zeitgeist kind of cultural moments. Uh, That's part of the problem as well. Everybody's so desperate to create content. The question is how much good content is there? Well, that, you make a very good point. Uh, for example, Netflix is really struggling uh, because Disney bought the Marvel Comics universe. Uh, Netflix mm-hmm. was running all the Marvel stuff, and suddenly they had not the rights to it any longer. And um, I, I like the fact that they do things like Stranger Things, which is now just back for season four. And every episode of Stranger Things plays like a feature film and has a, has a budget to match. Um, but Netflix, you're right doesn't have a lot of great original content, not enough. Uh, and much of the original content is not that good. You know, the production values are okay, the stories are okay, but it feels like in the old days when you'd watch a made-for-TV movie, especially one made in Canada, and say, you know what, that was just somebody doing something to fill in the space. And unfortunately, I think Netflix is doing that. Amazon Prime has got a lot of money behind it, so it, uh, it doesn't uh, publish how many people watch it. All it says is that it has 200 million subscribers, but many of those people may be those who who, uh, have Amazon Prime by accident because what they really signed up for was the free parcel delivery for the Amazon packages that they buy. So we don't know who's really watching that. And um, it is true that um, the bigger services, uh, Netflix is a big service, need to do a better job with content creation. Here's the other thing about Netflix, and uh, Mm -hmm. because they were early, um, this allowed all of the other services to look at what Netflix was doing and say, we're going to try something different. What's hurt Netflix was the thing that helped them most of all, and that's binge watching. You know, one of the things I love about Netflix is a new series comes on, like Stranger Mm -hmm. Things, and you can watch four, five, six episodes, then there's a break, and you can watch the rest. The problem with that is that when we binge watch, that whatever the production is, gets a huge amount of buzz for a week or two, and then it goes away. Whereas if you do what Disney and Apple Plus are doing, and that is dropping an episode every week, it keeps people engaged. It keeps the media talking about it. It keeps people saying, hey, I can't wait to see what happens on The Mandalorian next week or what's going to happen on Obi-Wan Kenobi next week. Whereas with Netflix, everybody watched the whole thing. They loved it. And now what what do they move on to? 
They don't have anything new on Netflix to watch. So they're kind of a victim of their own success. They're going to have to really tweak their business model, I think, Jazz. Yeah. Rick, one of the other things, you know, um, when I look at the streaming wars, and, 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 and I'm a big fan of certain shows, but I always find as much as we as Canadians uh, like to yell, yell at our TV and may not like the cable companies, or we pay for channels that we never watch, whenever there was decades ago a big moment or a show that was popular, we had a common um, a moment as a community. We were all, we, all there when MASH went off the air, and I'm really dating myself, I guess, with that reference. Uh, we were always knowing what the, where we were when Friends went off the air. With these streaming services now, uh, and, and with this world where you can watch things on a regular TV set or on your cell phone or an iPad, um, are we losing a bit of community, a community and cultural moment where we collectively used to celebrate moments in history? Yeah, I think that's very true, Jazz. It's a very good point. And it falls into the category, I'm afraid, of we shall never pass this way again. Uh, I'm older than you are, and um, I go back to those things uh, that people watched as a community. Uh, for example, I was in my teens when the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan Show. And that, that one offering got a 78% share, which means that 78% of all of the people watching television that particular time watched that show and that was a common experience that I still remember vividly. And you're right about MASH, and you're right about the last episode of Cheers, and the last episode of Seinfeld, and the last episode of Friends. Now, there is no timeline. So you can watch these things as an individual whenever you want. And you may say to somebody, a friend, a significant other, the people at work, hey, I watched the ending of such and such a series. Was that ever great? And they may say, I've never heard of that one. Maybe I should look it up. Uh, whereas uh, when we were all captives of the stream or the uh, cable world, or even before that, the over-the-air world, mm. the only way you got to watch this is when it was on. And everybody talked about it the next day at the water cooler at work, at school, and on campus if you're a student. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lost piece of our history. And as I said, I don't think we will ever pass that way again. Uh, those times have passed us by. Uh, the cell phone has changed everything. The iPad has changed everything. Uh, I remember being in the newspaper business as a as a commentator and as a columnist when cable television started in Canada, and it doesn't seem like it was that long ago for me, but I remember uh, CBS being the first cable channel available in much of Western Canada, and I also remember CBC and CTV saying, you're going to put us out of business. This is terrible. It is just cutting the audience to pieces because it's splitting the audience. Well, look at yeah. it today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 150 channels on cable and uh, how many are streaming. And yet people are making a living. Uh, they've all figured out how to make a living out of it. Although CNN didn't. Uh, CNN Plus started its own streaming service two months ago. It lasted just three weeks and they wrapped it up. So that didn't work. And uh, there'll be more of that to come too, Jazz. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely agree. And I'm not, I don't have sympathy for uh, the old uh, traditional way of doing things. I mean, I do like the, the, the freedom that we all have. Uh, what I find sometimes interesting when, I, when I'm at home, uh, my son, who is uh, 13, will be watching something on, on, on our TV. But for him, you know, he could be watching a well-produced show. Uh, he could be watching a sports program. Or then he could be flicking to YouTube, but watching it on the big screen and then playing his PlayStation. Uh, and, then, and then today, uh, let's just say you set aside an hour and a half to watch TV every day. And I'm just pulling that number out of the year. That's the time that you have to do something that you enjoy. But so that can also now be eaten up by gaming, 
but also social media as well. Like the amount of people producing content on TikTok, and you can get lost uh, on TikTok or on YouTube. The the fight for attention seems to be, and, and this is part of the streaming issue, is that it, it is becoming even more intense, number one. But number two, it's not just watching a well-produced drama. It could be spending time on YouTube watching some guy uh, telling, how to put up, telling you how to put up a fence or somebody dancing on TikTok. Like, it, it, entertainment true. itself has changed, hasn't it, completely? It's very true. And um, uh, you can see that in, in terms of the way attention changes. Uh, somebody sent me, I love the internet because people send you good stuff that's old. Uh, somebody sent <laughs> me a television commercial from 1955 uh, for American Motors, Hudson Hornet, and Hudson Wasp. The commercial was two minutes long. It was in black and white. It was very wow. entertaining and informative. Uh, we have not got the time to do that today. Uh, today, uh, as you know, we get the commercial time that's allotted between programs if you're watching regular television. But then we get those crawls across the bottom of the screen promoting the next show. And as Jerry Seinfeld said, what's wrong with these people? If I wanted to read, I'd sit and read a book. I'm watching TV. I want to watch TV. I don't want to read something at the bottom of my screen. And he's quite <laughs> right about that. But we have a whole new generation of people who have split their ability to watch and to do and uh, to multitask to the degree that uh, people don't stick with one thing anymore. Uh, educators refer to it as pad time. Uh, that people have to have their pad time now, uh, sitting there with their device and uh, making sure that they get everything done that they need to get done. Well, older folks want to sit and watch the news or watch sports as it happens. Uh, good point that you make, and uh, it is a real challenge. It's a it's a really changing landscape, and things move much more quickly than they once did. I really appreciate the fact that we have all of this stuff to be able to watch, but I'm uh, difficult, difficult and challenged because I can't keep up to it. There are things that I will never see that I want to see, but I just haven't been able to get to them. And so it goes. Uh, we see some great programming that um, comes along, like Yellowstone, which is an extremely mm -hmm. successful Amazon Prime production, and it's going to do more. But it was the old traditional way. Uh, they would uh, drop an episode a week, so you'd have to wait a week, or let them stack up and then binge watch a few of them. But there are some great shows out there that you really have to pay attention. You have to read a lot. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.